and welcome back to Let's Grow Girls, the podcast that I'm pretty sure is the UK's first dedicated just to growing cut flowers. I don't hear anybody disputing that, so let's go with it. So Sarah, I am really excited for this week's guest. Um, It's somebody who I have long time stalked on Instagram for their amazing pictures and absolutely stunning garden. Go on, tell me. Who is it? Tell us. It is Catcher from London Blooms. Ooh. Ah. (laughs) Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, She grows the best roses. Mm. I know how what secret she's got but i'm hoping we're about to find out i mean i know what secret she's got do i dare ask how you know because we already did the interview and (laughs) she's been in david austin's personal garden you've spoiled the illusion well keep listening people because if you want to know how david austin does it you gotta you gotta keep listening Another thing I love about Catcher is her photos. So if you're not already following her, make sure once you finish listening to this interview, you pop on over to Instagram and hit follow on her account. It's at London underscore Blooms. And her pictures are are worth following, never mind for anything else. But what more can we say? Roll Roll tape. tape. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm originally going to live in Moscow. And I came to London about 17 years ago to study fashion at St. Martin Martins. And then I um, got jobs in some fabulous fashion companies in London and basically um, fell in love with the city and never wanted to move, really. Although I still go back to Moscow and I absolutely love that city too. I feel that the way you can actually have a house and a garden in London, it's quite unique. It's just... Nothing like that in Moscow. You will need to have summer house 50 miles away from your actual mm. house and then you have to travel for the weekends. But in London, you can really have the busiest day in the office, then jump on a tube and be at home in your garden for the evening. You know, you can even have dinner outside with your kids. It's quite magical. It's quite special. And I wasn't in the gardening at all. In fact, when we were buying our house in London for the first time. I said to my husband, well, I'm not touching that. I don't know what to do with the garden. So you, <laughs> you deal with that. And he said, okay, I'll do the grass. And he was just kind of cutting his lawns. And that's still the only thing he does, actually, mostly. That's definitely a blue job. <laughs> Manly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so although I grew up with my parents obsessed with gardening and my grandmas are also grown flowers I also felt that I don't want to do it I just I felt until I was maybe in my early 30s that I'm not into it I don't want to touch it it's kind of not something I want to do Hmm. and there are two things I guess that got me into gardening one um, I actually lost my dad suddenly unexpectedly um, when I was relatively young uh, at the age of 24 and I didn't know how to deal with that grief and I didn't know kind of where to put myself but actually when I started gardening I found that nature teaches you so much about life and death and how those plants can just die out and you feel like oh my god I just killed it and then in spring it comes back looking amazing looking twice as strong and I guess the cycle of life the cycle of seasons 
I found it very comforting and I found it quite soothing just to have that um, to remind us that we, you know, we're not here forever, but enjoy it while it's there. So the other thing, which is more joyous, I suppose, I work um, in fashion, so I'm a fashion designer. And mm-hmm. um, biggest one of the biggest parts of my job is actually to work on um, occasion wear. So silk printed dresses, for example, it's something that I do and I love doing. And I will go to Italy and I will choose all these beautiful silks and I will commission a studio that's based in Lake So it's they based on the Lake Coma. Um, beautiful Italian studio that paints, paints for big designers, so all kind of top designers you can think of. They will paint their act on the fabric for the catwalk shows, beautiful blooms. And I found myself saying to them, oh, I want something like this and I want that plant. Oh, I don't know what it's called, but I want that flower. And then I thought maybe I should just learn a little bit about what this flower is called. And step by step, I established that I actually love when they paint those big kind of multi-petaled roses and chrysanthemums and cherry blossom is one of my favorite kind of elements to to commission to paint. And the joy of those flowers and the beauty of those flowers, the more you learn about them, the more you want to know more. And then actually planting one, and I think I started maybe with daffodils, something that you just can't kill. And <laughs> planted a few bulbs, and I was so excited thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to see them in five, six months. And they're just the easiest plants to begin with. Um, daffodils or alliums or crocuses and tulips, you kind of get something like a little magical bulb that will that that's got all the things it needs basically apart from water so you just have to give it soil and water and i think that hooked me and i often found myself then cutting my flowers and taking pictures and then sending them to um so now i work with a lot of english artists as well who paint flowers for me and then they get painted onto silk um do you want to tell us a little bit about about your space that you've got yeah, it's actually quite a small space. It's not huge. I mean, the magic of Instagram, you can show anything looking much bigger and much nicer than it actually is. So it's actually quite small. And I'd say it's about 30 meters long and about five and a half meters wide. So that typical long and skinny strip of land behind the um, Victorian house. But we've been lucky to move in a house that actually has some fruit trees at the back. So we've got apples and cherries and actually, that's quite beautiful because it gives you almost like a backdrop. Um, also, it's a conservation area of London, which means that people can't just chop trees in the gardens. And that's why we've got so many around. And when you look out of your window, you can see all this greenery, all this amazing foliage. It almost looks like a woodland, but you're actually in the middle of London. Oh, that's that's great because I think a lot of people who aren't really familiar with London probably think it's all just you know high rises and concrete so to know that there's that there's an area like that must be a surprise to some people we didn't even know when we moved we didn't know that it was conservation area we didn't know what that means so much it's only when you start thinking of changing things that's when you find out (laughs) because (laughs) it's quite a long process and you have to apply for every step you make which makes you frustrated at the time but actually then you realize ah but that's that's why it's so beautiful that's why it's so untouched 
So apart from your lovely apple trees, what, what else do you grow in your garden? What did you do to your garden? So actually when we moved, it used to be house for students. And I guess it was about 10, 12 years that students used to live here. And the garden was empty, just had lots of grass. And beer cans? <laughs> oh, lots of that. We're still finding peculiar things when we dig the soil. It's just it's quite funny. And it was also, you know, one of those bus stops you get when they move bus stop and it's temporary oh, yeah. sign saying bus stop. That was there too. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh not God. a not a not a feature that's still there, I'm guessing. Uh, sadly no. Buildings actually took it away and my kids still asking, can we get it back? <laughs> yeah, so when we moved in, I had this vision of planting it in a certain way and I used to have a house in London beforehand as well and that's where my passion for gardening started and that's when I kind of learned a little bit how to plant things and what they like what they don't like what is the sunny side of the garden how you can position them so that yeah that was my learning curve and then I moved here and I could make less mistakes so you're obviously known for the roses that you grow. Yeah. That's that's um, a massive feature of your Instagram. And I absolutely love looking at your your pictures. What what Thank are you. some of the favourite ones that you've got in your garden? So a few years ago, when I went to Chelsea Flower Show, I saw David Austin stand. And that was just the most beautiful thing I've seen. I feel like I know. you're almost end up in heaven in the middle of... Chelsea it's like a fairy tale isn't it it is it's that idealistic kind of english cottage garden full of blooming roses and i felt that i've never seen anything like that before because we're all so familiar with roses that you can find at the florist or in a shop they um they different kind of roses because they last a long time in a vase and they known for their longevity and hence a lot of dutch and even South African canaries will post them to England in refrigerated kind of boxes. And just the idea of that, the idea of flowering being cold and kind of preserved for quite a few mm-hmm. days. And then there's almost no life to it because they all need to be certain size and shape and they need to have those straight stems so they all mm-hmm. fit in a box. So it's not like they're chosen for their beauty necessarily. They're chosen for all these commercial needs before they get to you. And I never knew that there are different types of roses that completely uncommercial like that. But when they grow in your own space, in your garden, they give you so much joy and they are just the most beautiful flowers. So the scent as well, the scent is magnificent. If you smelled English rose, you will know that they're all different as well. None of them are the same. So you can choose mm-hmm. them not just by color and shape. You can also choose them by scent. So I got hooked. I got a few plants and then I actually went to visit their place in um, Midlands almost. they based in... Um... Yeah, yeah. It's just outside of Wolverhampton, I think. So I went and I was lucky enough to actually meet David Austin when he was still alive. He was walking past and I was eight months pregnant at the time so he stopped he looked at me and he he asked me if I wanted to see his um so his own garden by his house is actually private and it's close to public oh my god but he said to me you can have a look you can you can walk in oh you lucky devil 
I felt so ecstatic. I felt like, oh my God. And my phone died at that stage. So I couldn't even call my husband and say, guess what's happened? But luckily I had my own, I had my camera and I could take pictures of that magical place. And also you're by yourself, you're on your own. So mm -hmm. everything feels so much more uh, new and so much more special. So his late wife made sculptures for their garden and they oh, wow. stand between the roses. So it's, 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 just really magical. So obviously after that, I went back home and I planned a lot more. So you got a lot of inspiration from there. Yes, and I've got their books. <laughs> but so what was his garden like? Was was it all roses? Did he have other things? Were there any roses that stood out to you as like the showstoppers? Yes, one of the one of my most favorite roses is actually called Shrub Shrub which is named after the place where they're based, I suppose. It's climbing roads, and it's climbing over their um, veranda or pagoda. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's very vigorous plant that will just take over anything. It grows to five or six meters high. Oh, my quickly. God. So it will probably take two, three years for the plant to go over an arch, and that's exactly what mm -hmm. I did. I placed bench in between two of these houses and they actually covered. Oh, I saw that picture on your Instagram. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. It's magnificent. Beautiful. I was going to ask you which rose that was. That you've done the most perfect little, yeah. it really does look magical, that little spot in your garden. Yeah, it's my, it's my estate spot. <laughs> yeah, nobody can actually see you from the house when you sit in between those houses because they completely camouflage you and you feel like, you by yourself in the middle of nowhere, but you're actually in London. Um, yes, there are lots of plants that called complement companion plants that uh, people tend to plant next to roses, and not because they look beautiful, but also because some of them help to prevent uh, certain disease and pests that attack mm -hmm. roses. So some of them will be um, salvias, or lavender. So they've got they've got magnificent display of how you can make your garden look amazing the whole summer. So one of the mm -hmm. most valuable things about English roses is that they just keep going the whole summer. Some of them might start as early as May in London, and we all know that London is the greenhouse of England, so it's unusually mm -hmm. warm. But some of them start in May, and they flower all the way up until now. So now we're talking mid-November, and actually... Wow. Some of them still have a few blooms. They're not as prolific now, but they still have few. Enough for you to cut and put next to your bedside. Or, you know, it's just magnificent smell. You still can smell them and think, oh, my God, I miss that. <laughs> do you have to do a lot to them to keep them blooming for that long? Do you do a lot of deadheading or a maintenance of them? I don't like calling it maintenance almost because it's <laughs> not a chore and it's not something I have to do. That's something I enjoy doing because as any of us gardeners know, the joy of gardening is not just sitting and having a cup of tea. It's actually... It's looking after them. It's looking after them. And when, you, when you've grown something for the first time, when you actually made something flourish, it, it's so rewarding. You feel so excited and you want to look after it. You don't want to just let it go and die. You, mm -hmm you want to make it feel happy and then you just keep looking after those plants. I guess the most important thing for houses is watering. I would say I do water 
every second day in the summer. So I don't leave them for the whole week. And that's probably the most daunting task I have because it takes me about one hour to go, you know, maybe 40 minutes, but to, to do my whole garden. And then that heading, but I find it quite enjoyable because you just snip old heads off and it's quite satisfying after, you know, a long day in the office. <laughs> can... Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. There's nothing like chopping the heads off flowers to get you through the stress of the day. <laughs> yes, and you also know that by doing that, you'll get a lot more new flowers. Do you just take the heads off or do you cut down to the next bud? It depends. Or the next I do it, um, late leaf nodule, sorry. Yeah, if, if I do it by, by hand, just because I happen to pass by and I just, as I walk, I do it. I just snip the heads off. But actually, I have my secateurs that I occasionally have in my pocket, you know, in my gardening jacket. And then comes chopping. Then I chop quite long stems. But with that, you need to put them in a bucket. You need to dispose them in, you know, you can't put them on a compost heap. I don't do that because of the black spot disease. Um, yeah. Infection mm -hmm. that, you know, it, it can travel. It can stay in your compost heap for quite a long time. And then you put the soil back to healthy plants and they might get it. Do you do anything to prevent black spot or do you just keep um, on, on top of any uh, diseased plants that you do find or do you spray or anything like that? I don't spray. So I've got three kids and a dog and also my husband hates the idea of chemicals around the house. So it's one of those things that I'm just trying to find a more natural way of dealing with that. There is no magic, magical solution anyway. Even if you spray your plants, you will notice that black spot comes back and, you know, outfits will be there. It's not going to make your roses magically healthy because few spores will always fall in a, in a crown by the plant and they will always come back. But what I do is, one, planting those companion plants so I've got lots of salvias, and I love salvias. They are just magical. They again, they flower for such a long time. It's it, now they're even more in bloom than they were in June. Well, you know, they're not flowering in May yet, so they're kind of late flowering plants. And they repel all the aphids. They don't actually like the scent of them, I suppose, because salvias are quite powerful they've got this if you touch mm. it if you do this to the plant it's it's making this amazing um citrusy scent mm. same for lavender and i love lavender and you can see that nothing gets it there are no pests on lavender or no black spots so that's kind of a sign you feel like oh, okay you know they don't like that's it. that's a great tip because i don't really like using sprays i have used them in the past but I, I've got some salvia and I think I need to maybe propagate some and get some more around the roses. I didn't realise they were a good companion plant for roses. Yeah, they are. And, you know, it's not scientific. It's not scientifically proven, but it's just one of those things I've noticed that work for me to some extent. Then, of course, you have to take black spot. So the leaves that are affected by black spot, you need to remove them. And again, I just as I walk past my plants, I can see if it's if it's literally all over the plant, then there is no point. You're just going to leave it naked if you take all the leaves off. <laughs> but if it's just a few and you feel like you will make the difference by doing that, I always just take a few, few leaves off, put them in a compost bag that then I'll um, 
we actually have brown beans here. So council collects mm-hmm. all the um, foliage, all the garden waste, and they take it away. So that's what I do. In autumn now, I will put quite a thick layer of mulch or compost uh, next to my plants. And I I prune them. And about one month, around two months, I will start pruning them. I cut back all the kind of excessive growth or I will just put them into shape. I will cut any stems that cross over or I'll cut anything that's diseased or has a little kind of wound on it. So mm-hmm. to keep them healthy like that actually helps a lot because then the plant itself is able to fight back any disease mm. that will jump on it. So pruning's better in spring then? They say, David Austin's advice, for example, is to do it in January. Oh, um, January time, okay. I just, I can't wait that long, so I started to <laughs> Also, I've got about 20 or 25 plants now, so for me to actually do it all in one go, it's impossible. I, it takes me weeks to to do them all. Oh God, I can imagine. So I actually live on an army base and we've got all these houses that, so people live in the house for two years, they tend to the gardens right. and then they move to their next house. And we've got all these houses with hundreds of roses in the garden that people have put in and left there. And this summer I run myself ragged going around trying to look after all these rose bushes because it made me so sad. They're so like, they haven't been tended to for years. So I went around trying to prune them all back and yeah. get them looking good. And it just, I almost died. It was like the biggest <laughs> job in the world. Oh. Yeah. But I think if you're trying to maintain it over another 30 gardens, then then it's, it's going to be hard work. But mm. I, th- I think you need to get your own roses is what, what Catch is saying. Have your own garden with your own roses and then it won't be so bad. On the topic, though, so Katya, are any of your roses in pots or are they all in the ground? So, Because I move quite a lot, so I'd have to have them in pots. Yes, they do well in pots. And again, mm. certain varieties prefer to be in the ground. Let's say the climbers I was just mentioning earlier, they will just need mm-hmm. a lot more space for their root system to establish. Because mm. if the plant is five meters tall, you kind of need to give it space to cling to something. And if you leave them in pots, which is completely fine, um, mm-hmm. they just not going to grow as big, I suppose. And I also find that some of my potted roses don't flower as much because mm. they're huge terracotta co- uh, pots and they get quite hot in the sun and the mm. soil dries out very quickly. And that's one of the things that roses don't like. They don't like being uh, left to dry for too long. Mm. Um one more tip for you if you're looking after so many houses is to actually feed them. So that would be smart. <laughs> you, feed them, you can feed them twice a year, or, you know, if you want more. But yeah. um, ideally, you feed them when they finished first flush of flowers. So when they bloomed mm-hmm. in June or July, mm. then you that had the plant and you feed it with special house feed or anything you have to to be suitable for that, and Second time I do it is just, you know, when you see tiny new growth on mm-hmm. your plants in about February, March, depends how cold it is when you are. And I feed them yep. then. I give them. It's kind of a ready color, isn't it? The new growth. It's not green, green like yeah. the plant. But I will warn you, Sarah, if you're going to feed them with rose feed, it it doesn't smell. It doesn't smell good. <laughs> no, it's quite fishy. Also, one thing I forgot to mention is that if you are looking for plants that will give you the least problem with black spot disease or anything like that, Mm 
is worth checking online mm -hmm. which varieties are actually more resistant and that's what mm -hmm. i did a couple of weeks ago i just asked all my followers if they know roses which varieties is actually the toughest or the healthiest in their gardens and they gave me this very nice list of plants that they can own. Some of them I've never heard of before. That was amazing because I had to look them all up and say, oh, that's nice. But one that came up on the top of everybody's list almost was um, an old doll. It's um, mm -hmm. apricoty orange color, again from David Austin. And apparently just the healthiest one for a lot of different people. And I bought one, so I'm going to plant one. And see. Mm. <laughs> what um what's your favorite rose in the garden? I know you mentioned um you know you love your climate of Shropshire rose, but what are your other favorites? Oh that's difficult. That's that's almost impossible to choose because <laughs> I have this love and hate with one of them which just gets current and black spot and I think, oh my mm. god, I'm chipping you down, I'm going to dig you out, I'm not going to keep you anymore. And <laughs> That is actually the most prolific one out of all of them. It's called Mary oh. Rose, and it starts in um, What's May. it called, sorry? Mary, Mary okay. Rose. Uh, she starts in May, and she just goes, oh, she still goes on now, and it just she loses all its leaves, and it looks just dreadful. Uh, apart from the fact that she's got the most beautiful pink blooms, it's just one of those plants that you feel like, I love you, but... I just hate the way you get covered <laughs> in this black spot and all your leaves look yellow. Mm. Um, then Olivia knows Austin. Oh, That's, she's a beauty. She's quite healthy, and I've got her as a standard. So it's a long black and mm. then mm. lollipop shape, beautiful plant. And um, so she's quite healthy. That's what I like about her. She's mid pink, in a beautiful formation of flower, in mm. beautiful pink. Top of the, like, if I only had to choose one and take, take with me to the next house that will be skeptic's isle i don't actually know how you say it it's kept yeah i think you say skeptic isle or something like that i know which one you mean i don't think i've ever mm. heard anyone actually say it out loud before no <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it in the facebook group when um when we after we've published the episode so our listeners can uh, catch up with your favorite types in there so yeah. uh, if you're not part of the facebook group then definitely join to find out all of catcher's favorites but yeah that one on your instagram that's the one i see the most and i think oh it's so pretty <laughs> i even said to sarah just before we had this call that that was my favorite because i just love it it's, um, yeah. cup it's cup shape it's yes. so like yeah. round and and just perfect looking and when it blooms Honestly, it's just like a cloud of roses. There is not a space where you can find big black hole. You know, it's just looking like it's covered. In, like somebody literally came with the glue stick and stuck them all around perfectly. <laughs> it's just magnificent. And it keeps going. And it's just... The scent is quite um, unusual in a way that it's not your fruity, citrusy, sweet smell. It's um, mm. more of the classic old-fashioned rose smell that's my favorite kind of smell well you'll you'll definitely love it you need one i've got those. um gertrude jekyll and i don't know if i'm saying that right either i'm sure somebody will correct me if i'm wrong but that one's got that real yeah. like wholesome rose smell i just love it yeah i feel like you're an old lady at heart nicole 
I am. I just love that rosy smell. It's so, um, I think it's so evocative of childhood, you know. I'm probably like lots of people. I had a granny who had lots of roses in the garden mm-hmm. and they, they weren't David Austin roses or anything particularly fancy, but they all had that heady, rosy smell, which I, ju- I just love it. But like Katja said, some of the David Austin roses, like I've got Queen of Sweden as well. I mm. think she almost smells like a pear. She's really got a really mm. fruity smell. Some of them have kind of citrusy smell, which I love. Mm. This Demona, um, it's white and I was beautiful cup shape again, but it's um, it's beautiful. But I think I'm growing it not so much for its beauty, but for its scent. Emily Bronte, also amazing scent, the most beautiful scent. Just one flower is enough for you to fill up your own with this amazing perfume. And that's that's one of my favourite things about growing roses. And and Sarah I, and I have spoken about this on the podcast with like several of our um, guests already. But when you grow your own flowers, you know what you were saying about the florist growing the flowers that they have in the florist are always, you know, perfect straight stems and all the flowers look the same. But when you grow them yourself, you, you get a totally different flower, but also it's the smell for me because those mm. perfectly bred ones aren't scented. You can forgive some of them. You can say, okay, but you're beautiful or, you know, it's, it's one of those things when tulips, for example, they don't smell at all. But we all love tulips. Well, I, I do love tulips. And oh, I yeah, know them for, for that magical feel in April or May when nothing else is, um, not so much else is in bloom. And tulips just give you that amazing spectrum of colors and shapes. There is something for everyone. And I love same colors as I love in my roses. So they will be blush pinks and whites. And they sort of start in the season. And then peonies take over and then it's roses mm-hmm. so to me although they don't have any scent tulips are quite key in my garden just for that and um, one of the things i also noticed that you're growing which i think is um dare i say it i'm predicting a, a trend for next year is the <laughs> chrysanthemums Ooh, yeah they they have kind of funny reputation don't they and I don't know what's happened but it's I'll tell you exactly why I don't know if you know this catcher but chrysanthemums in this country are petrol station flowers <laughs> uh, they sell them wrapped in plastic on a forecourt of a petrol station for the husband to pick up for the wife when he did when he's come home late from work and they've just got that reputation of being ugly rubbish basically (laughs) ugly cheap and cheap flowers but I think there's a real like um resurgence of these heirloom varieties I almost feel like anytime I see chrysanthemum on somebody's feet they apologize by saying oh you might think you hate them but you don't (laughs) hate them because they're actually beautiful everyone has to kind of start with that apology saying oh Mm. I'm certainly I've got chrysanthemum here to me I came to chrysanthemums from a completely different side. I actually love Japanese art and I've always been a huge fan of uh, Japanese paintings and chrysanthemum widely used in, mm. uh, say, kimono embellishment and it's widely used in fashion still. So to me, it's one of the key elements of um, Japanese, you know, it's, it's key influence for me, for sure. So chrysanthemum is such a beautiful plant to draw 
if if you into painting, if you into drawing, there is nothing more satisfying than sitting there drawing each petal that curves around. Mm. So when I saw some of these varieties, um, and the place I get them from is called Chrysanthemum Direct. Yes, I got some from there this year. They were amazing. And they cost like two pounds, two pounds fifty yeah. each. That's mm-hmm. kind of insane. So then you look at all these 50 million types they've got. And I chose specific ones that look like Japanese, original Japanese ones. You will definitely not find them in a petting station. It's not one of them. <laughs> That's good to hear. So I thought, okay, that will never work. It will never look like that in my garden. Because one of the things you can, you need to do with chrysanthemums, if you want those huge blooms, you need to keep that heading them. So the mm. plant, instead of spending its energy on 50 blooms, it will spend it on five or one if you want it for the show. So it's kind of quite disheartening to be taking tiny little buds off. And I left lots of them on the plant thinking, oh, so that I'll have lots of little ones. <laughs> Actually, looking at them now, there is one, I will have to text you what it's called. I'll have to tell you later. I don't remember. It's, it's got Japanese name. Um, it's, so, it's so magnificent. It's literally like a sunshine in my garden. It's got maybe mm. 20 flowers on one plant and they're those beautiful yellow um, sunshine-like flowers. It sounds um, amazing. Yeah, so that's that's very unusual. And I think that's one of the things you, I enjoy as a gardener is planting something and growing something that I can't find elsewhere. I can't actually go and buy it as a cut flower mm. anywhere else. I've fallen in love with the idea of heritage flowers because I started growing... Nicole, help me, my brain's gone. The <laughs> one that smells like um, cloves. Oh, carnations. Carnations. Oh. And so there's this big history of um, heritage carnations and how we've lost lots of them because people stopped growing them. So, mm. like, Britain had its own cut flower heritage carnations, but because British flower farms closed down, we lost all of those those varieties and I am quite in love with the idea of having to keep taking cuttings every year because you've got a plant that's from the 1800s and it's your duty to keep it alive because it's been around for longer than you have something about that seems really like romantic one of the biggest things for me with gardening is like you said Katja you absolutely love doing it you don't garden because it's not for torturous reasons is it you know it's because (laughs) you love it and you really get out what you put in yes absolutely and to anyone who's listening to this podcast and thinking oh I'm thinking of planting something or starting my garden but I just don't know how or I don't know um, what I would like to plant and how to look after things and I would say one advice I would give is to just start doing it start planting Mm. and go and choose a couple of plants doesn't matter if you kill them we all did I've killed quite a lot of plants. Even now, I, <laughs> I can end up with some fabulous plants that I bought um, online and planted them somewhere, and it was quite wet in the winter, mm. and they just basically hated sitting in a London clay and died. So that happens, but it's nothing comparing to the joy you will get of actually nourishing a plant that will then bloom mm-hmm. for you. You'll feel like, oh, my God, if I can do that, and I genuinely feel if I can do that, then anyone can, because I'm not actually... I've done some study days, and I went to some amazing gardens like Grey Dixter or Sissinghurst. So, um, you can do study days, you can meet head gardeners and learn. 
but I haven't been trained. I haven't got any qualifications like that. So to me, it feels like if I can achieve on a small space something beautiful like this, then anyone can. You just have to start. You just have to get going. We normally finish our episodes by asking our guests for some words of wisdom, but I think you've just <laughs> absolutely nailed it with that, Katja. I think that's such an important message. You, you can't, your garden's not going to do anything if you don't do something to it. So that's, those are great words. Yes. No, I think my words of wisdom will be actually to anyone who is gardening, to anyone who is obsessed with gardening, is don't forget to sit down and enjoy your garden. Don't just mm. spend your whole entire time running, doing tasks and chores and then realizing you haven't had any time to enjoy it. So mm. I think to actually get a cup of tea, sit down and enjoy it. And I only managed to sit down for five seconds until I spot something else and I jump and I think, oh, I've done it again. I've done it again. <laughs> well, on that note, I feel totally inspired to... Um, I know, yeah, I think Sarah wasn't convinced about the roses, but I think now I'm not. I've I've been very quiet because I don't have any roses. I because I I travel like I move every two years, um. So I'm very limited on what I put in pots to take with me. But I think I am going to have to buy a few roses. <laughs> they are actually really um happy to be moved. You can mm. move a rose. You don't have to worry about if you do put it in the ground. You can you can dig it up and put it somewhere else. So don't let that stop you. I'm also tempted to liberate some of the ones that have been abandoned. Do it. Go and dig the other ones up. <laughs> well, thank you ever so much for your time today, Katja. We've really enjoyed speaking to you. I think it's thank worth you for inviting us... me. Oh no, we've we've loved having you. Um, and I I thought it'd just be nice to mention your website and your shop on your website. Um, Sarah and I were also doing some stalking on there this morning. Um. You've got lots of gorgeous prints on there. And I feel like I could tell our listeners about your calendar. But by the time this goes out, I think you'll be totally sold out, won't you? Yes, but it's always next year. That's the idea. That um, <laughs> you can, um, One of the things I love doing is um, keeping a diary of my flowers, keeping a diary of plants that actually bloom. And again, that's because I was such a novice to that. I wanted mm. to remember what flowers in January, so I can maybe add a couple more flowers that will flower next to it and mm. I will take pictures and write it down in my gardening diary and then those pictures they kind of became my Instagram and that's how I started that was the only kind of pure reason for that account to start is that I will take pictures of say you know uh, daffodil and say May 7th 2009 and mm. then it evolved into more and more plants companion plants to be uh, next to each other so we'll take a picture of 10 plants and say okay they all bloom in may and that kind of became one of the things that people liked and they enjoyed following because they wanted to do the same they wanted to have 12 months you know if you live in england you can totally do that if you live in moscow then yes no you can't because it's snowing for five months um but <laughs> you can uh, definitely do that in england and i'm sure you can do it in some other places um, around the world so eventually people were asking me about the calendar and I kept saying no 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 no, I, no I'm not doing that I'm not doing that I, I, you know I just I just didn't think that that's something I wanted to do and I'm you know I'm quite busy as well so I felt it was just not on and done I just remember one day sitting down and saying fine I'll do it <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've done it and I think um, 
there is still space to improve next year and make it more affordable because I just done it with um, the best place really that can do it. And they, mm. they not so much specializing in calendars. They do beautiful prints for galleries and famous artists. So it's quite expensive. And hence, I felt like I eliminated quite a lot of people. I just alienated mm. quite a lot of people by doing that. And the idea is now to find somebody in the UK who can make it just as beautiful, but more affordable for next year. Well, thank you very much for your time again. And um, we hope our listeners really enjoy the, the, your interview today. Thank you. Right, now that we're finished with that amazing interview, I'm heading straight to Google to search for new salvias. Oh, what, Google, not, not Bing? Why would you be so mean? Bing Bing is great. <laughs> Google is my preferred search uh, engine. Not sponsored. <laughs> what kind of salvia are you thinking? Uh, well, I've had a little stalk at Catch's um, calendar and I saw on there that she's got um, a peach coloured salvia, peach parfait. Oh, Might be up your street, Sarah. I didn't know a peach salvia existed. Neither did I. I got um, like boring ones you know the usual kind of bluey purpley colored ones but peach i am here for peach could you send me the link to that please (laughs) it will be (laughs) winging its way to you and uh, i think we should probably put it on the facebook group as well oh yeah if anyone else wants to sign up for for peach salvia (laughs) i'm I'm all for peach and i'm sure we can find some other colors too not just the boring blue you are such an enabler oh well what can i say enabling is my game Mm. all my roses are kind of pink and peach and white anyway so does the blue go i don't know i've got lavender for that color haven't i so need to get me some peach parfait you do you do it's just making you think about dessert though (laughs) do you know what it's the exact same thing that crossed my mind i was like "Mm, ice cream Mm. (laughs) flowers and ice cream like my my top two subjects Oh, other than that, though, I think we need to all add a few more roses to our shopping list. I know I'm going to buy a few, I think. Definitely. And now's a great time to buy bare roots. So they're much cheaper than mm. buying potted roses. And you can get them from David Austin online. And if I'm not mistaken, at the time of recording this, 24th of November, there is still a sale on at David Austin. I think 10 <gasps> or 15% off bare roots. So it is a really good time to buy. Ah. Uh. Nicole, the enabler. Well, I'm here to help. (laughs) You know you want them. (laughs) Buy them cheaper. I do, I do. And with um, all that advice we just got, at least we know we can grow them well. Exactly. And if Catcher can do it in a small Victorian garden in the middle of London, then I think the rest of us, we've got no excuses really. But yeah, on on that note, I think we've had uh, an absolutely stonking run of amazing guests, not least Catcher. And next week, I don't like to reveal too much about who it is, but next week we have got an expert on dried flowers. We do, yes. It's very exciting. Basically, we're... Um, we're worried you think that we're boring on our own so we're just, <laughs> we're just throwing as many good guests as we as we can get at you I think and then season two you'll just have to put up with um, me and Sarah talking because we will have run out of 
good guests. Potentially, yeah, that is an option. That, that, is, <laughs> that is quite possible, yeah. But next week's guest is going to be such a good one for anyone who has thought about growing flowers cut flowers specifically for dried flowers so they're going to talk us all through great varieties to grow and give us some hints and tips and well actually no and there i'm not going to spoil it you have to tune in next week to find out what that and was and on that note if you want to listen next week please subscribe wherever you wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you fancy it maybe leave leave us a cheeky review we love those we love them and that brings us to the end of today's episode if you want a full list of the lovely roses and other flowers that Katja told us about in her interview then head on over to our Facebook group and make sure you join and we will put a full list of all those flowers in there and also um, the products she sells so we'll link to her shop and her calendar and all those exciting things thank you again for joining us and we can't wait to see you again next week Bye. Bye. Do you not want to try and say it in unison again? Isn't that your thing? We never manage to say it in unison. Should we count down for it? No, let's just try and do it without counting, ready? Unos, dos, tres. Bye. Bye. Oh, we did it. You have to do it in Spanish, that's the secret. That is it. Maybe we need to say bye in Spanish. Adios.